Hey, y'all. Uh, welcome to the stream. We will get started here in just a minute. Just want to fire this up, let, let a lot of people get in here in the stream, and we will uh, we'll get cracking on this thing. Really excited about where this program is going. No doubt about it. Yeah, anyway, more people jump in the stream, jump or, drop your comments there in the comment section, whether you're on Twitter or on hopefully our YouTube channel from the Nullcast. And I'm just organizing my notes here a little bit more. We'll let a couple more people jump in the stream and then we'll jump into this thing and have some fun. Uh, give us some feedback. Can you guys hear me okay? Using the AirPods tonight, a uh, little bit of static here, obviously in kind of a corner room of the press box after the ridiculously exciting their damn game, uh, barely beating Florida State, but okay, audio sounds good. That is, uh, that's what we want to hear. So uh, if you are new to the podcast, welcome. Um, probably aren't finding us this fast if you're new, so I'm guessing most of y'all are some of our returning folks. Um, instant reaction, we don't edit. I just kind of go off the cuff and you get my, my thoughts. And then Ingram and I typically will follow up and do a different, uh, different one later on. So, um, yeah. By the way, thank you to our sponsors, Louisiana Hot Sauce, Legendary Home Loans, Congruity HR, and of course, Madison Social. It was absolutely great to see y'all at Madison Social today um, up here in Tallahassee. Got to see Matt Thompson and those dudes and got to see a lot of our fans and listeners. Really appreciate the support. Five-star reviews, as always, and great to see y'all. Uh, so, man, 41-38. Yes. God, that is kind of crushing and kind of just really, really exciting. And I want to start with, with the exciting part. Uh, man. I, I went to school here, and... I covered this team for you know, more than a decade. And I really don't know uh, that I've ever seen a team receive a standing ovation for a loss. Now, I didn't go to school in the early 80s. I know some people on Twitter told me there was a game in the early 80s when one of one of Bowden's first teams uh, who, who got that kind of feedback. You know, so certainly possible there. Um, but if you guys listen to the show, you know this FSU team was outgunned. And they were. The crowd knew it. We knew it. Y'all knew it. I think the coaching staff knew it. And the crowd on Bobby Bowden night uh, was extremely appreciative of the fight and the effort that this team put in. That's the main takeaway I have here is that this team has improved. They also didn't quit, they actually played to win the game, there was a legitimately a point there in the third quarter where I thought, hey, punt the ball, take a closer loss, don't risk getting blown out, because obviously if you're going for fourth downs, it increases your chance of winning, but it also increases your chance of, of getting blown out, right? Kind of like doubling down in, in uh, um, you know, blackjack. Better chance to win, also a better chance to lose quicker if things go poorly. But man, like Norvell pulled the guys back out of the tunnel, Take your heads up, say how proud he was of them, and how much fight they had. And the crowd really seemed to get it. And like they seemed to appreciate that there's something more going on here. And uh, I was very impressed by that. I, I just, 
you know, I didn't know how many people would would appreciate that. And I feel like almost everybody in the crowd, you know, really did. So very impressive there. Uh, let's start with with most of the good stuff. Then we'll get to a few of the questions and maybe what it means going forward. Number one good thing here, by far, FSU brought in, I think, over 100 recruits, a decent number of those on official visits, big-time players who have the chance, a lot of them, you know, to play early in their careers. And guess what? It was a risk. Now, we went over this on the last NOLCAST. Yes, FSU had kind of the market cornered on recruits this weekend, to some extent, because you had the holiday weekend. You had uh, you know, more people can travel, obviously, on Labor Day weekend. And um, I thought that was important to note. You also had a lot of your opponents that you recruit against playing either really kind of poor teams, so not games you want to necessarily bring recruits to. Think about Auburn up the road playing Akron or Florida playing FAU or, or whatnot. Um, so really, you know, LSU playing out in UCLA, not going to host recruits out there on the West Coast. Um, however, and you also had a couple couple teams playing these neutral site games where you could bring recruits, but you really can't host them, host them right. So FSU recognized that there was an opportunity here to host a heck of a lot of recruits, um, but they're not dumb. They realize that, yeah, think about how bad this offensive line has looked in preseason camp. Think about how rarely it has actually played together on a day-to-day basis and how much continuity it doesn't have. Think about how your linebackers aren't great. And yeah, like that's a pretty damn good Notre Dame team. They've been to the playoffs many times. They consistently win 10 football games. They're generally, you know, pretty well coached. And, and they decided, Hey, you know what? We are going to take the risk because the reward is potentially really, really good. We went in there and think about what Ingram and I said in the preview show. Get this thing to halftime with a chance. Don't have recruits playing on their phone and stuff in the second quarter. Don't get blown out. And there was a minute where it looked like they might. But ultimately, they did. They kept fighting. I saw saw Kevin Coleman. I saw Duffy. I I, I saw Jones Jr. All those guys tweeting about how much they were loving it, how much they were enjoying it. And hey, like, could the high of the visit wear off? Yeah, but man, it's very difficult for me to think you could have done any better um, as far as how this visit went, with the exception of actually winning the game. But you weren't really expected to win the game. And you took you know, one of the best programs in the country to overtime. Uh, so I think for recruiting, this is probably pretty damn big. Yeah. Um, now, let's think about some on-field stuff here. How did they go from being down 18 to coming back? couple things. The first thing was that Notre Dame was not able to run the football against them and put the game away. Last year, Notre Dame really kind of got whatever the heck it wanted on the ground. Just guess what? We're going to run the ball again. And Kyron Williams is going to be a really good NFL back. I think. I mean, he's special. And Chris Tyree is fast as hell. Like, pretty sure he's the fast player on FSU's team if, if he was over here. Uh, but FSU consistently I think they actually kind of won the line of scrimmage against a talented, still coming together, but talented Notre Dame offensive line. Jermaine Johnson looked excellent. Uh, I felt better going into the game about Jermaine, by the way, given that I know he couldn't start at Georgia, but Georgia's defensive line basically held Clemson to like nothing last night uh, in in Charlotte. So I was like, okay, kind of feeling this a little bit. I'm seeing that uh, maybe there's a reason Jermaine Johnson couldn't actually start at Georgia because Georgia just has like freakazoids. (laughs) Down the starting lineup, you know, um, 
he looked really good. I think here Thomas, pretty solid, held up, didn't let the edge get bent on him. Fabian Lovett comes into camp in better shape, actually has a real offseason, not a COVID offseason with the strength conditioning staff. He made life hell on Notre Dame. Were the backers great? Mm, I don't think so. But they weren't horrendous, at least against the run. Um, and they were able to get some stops, especially because Notre Dame was having to double team a lot of FSU's defensive linemen. And they did a really nice job with that scheme. I will also give credit to, I do not think that the linebackers in the run fits were nearly as out of place as they as they were last year. Yeah, sorry about the beer. I, I, she, the thing is, I wear the mask because you know, you've got to do it unless you're Nobody else is in this room, so I'm maskless here in this in this radio room. But like the mask kind of messes up the beard. Anyway, think about last year against this Notre Dame team, against Louisville, against shoot, name another team. I'm sure you'll see it in the comment section, and I'll agree with you. Um, you know, they their run fits were terrible. They didn't know what they were looking at. They weren't triggering. They, their angles were were bad, and that's not all fixed, certainly. Uh, but it did puzzle me last year how Coach Adam Fuller could do such a good job of taking you know, the Marshall defense and flipping it pretty quickly. And then in the Memphis, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like he had a decent proven track record of taking bad and making it at least decent. And last year there was like no progress and quite a bit of backsliding. And I was like, well, I don't know, kind of skeptical eye here. But I, I thought tonight, even though they gave 41 points, uh, was, was fairly encouraging. I thought they did a good job overall along the defensive front. Um, so that was that was really really good to see. Uh, so that was my, my number one positive takeaway of the game, other than obviously the, the tremendous buy-in and fight from the team, the unwavering belief, and probably a belief, by the way, that comes from a head coach who doesn't pack it in and punt and try to just play for a close game as opposed to actually going for the win. It's pretty important. Um, let me see what, what are notes I have here. I've got quite a bit. If you're new to this, again, we don't typically go like an hour on the instant reaction pod. I just want to get it out to y'all pretty quickly. If you're not watching this live, we will uh, yeah, we will upload it. Um, yeah, so I'm seeing some of the comments. You know, a, a giving up 41 points is encouraging. I think that the, the process of how you give up those 41 points uh, is somewhat encouraging. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. So um, I thought they called a, a pretty nice game. They tried to make Jack Tone force the ball to the outside. I thought the corner play in this game actually was pretty damn good. My guy, Jarvis Brownlee, just the, the dude I really like watching, um, played extremely well. He did, you know, have one missed tackle, but uh, that's that's going to happen. These are not robots, and they're also not Bama players, so they're probably not going to be perfect. Um, you know, I was really pretty impressed by that. That was That was nice. Honestly, I thought Travis Jane looked at as athletic as hell out there. And on the one, it was just a great throw. On the other one, I think he kind of turned the wrong way at first. A little bit of experience, he'll get better. I was encouraged by Sidney Williams. I was encouraged largely by Akeem Dent. Um, Jamie Robinson looked pretty solid when he came in in the second half. Uh, what I'm saying here is that they, they've got some pieces in that defensive backfield they can go to. I really think uh, I think they, they got something there, and they know it. Like, there's going to be some improved play going forward, I think. You know, um, linebacker, I think you got to recruit your way out of linebacker. I I don't really have super high hopes for who they have on the team linebacker right now. I think you need, you need to go get a transfer probably for next year, or maybe you'll just coach them up somehow, but uh, I'm skeptical there. 
you guys know that if you listen to the show. I don't really like the way linebacker recruiting is going, and I think we need to recruit their way out of this problem. We'll talk more kind of in-depth defense on the Monday pod, or well, tomorrow's Monday, so probably Tuesday pod, because I don't think we're going to have an actual, uh, it'll be a weird schedule this week with, with Labor Day. So uh, now to the offense, an offense that, quite frankly, did not have a good fall camp overall. Jordan Travis, legitimately, I'm telling y'all, looked better as a passer this fall camp than he did last year. Um, but the offensive line, again, lack of continuity, not really getting to practice together a whole lot in fall camp. I think that was pretty evident. You know, we had that one podcast where we kind of questioned how much they were actually getting done that week. We were joking, like, they're doing a whole lot of special teams. Well, they were. Um, but maybe because they were forced to. Anyway, um, I thought Norvell did a really good job and Ked Yellingham and Atkins obviously did a really good job of scheming around some of those deficiencies. You could see them just kind of going, man, what, what can we do here? And, you know, look, we saw that on the first series. The first series. Seriously, like, think about what the first series was. Play action screen, other screen, attempt to draw. Next series was kind of the same thing. They were just going through their book, but but I think you knew it, and they knew it, and I'm sure Notre Dame knew it as well from the word go. They were having to try to trick Notre Dame every time. And they kind of tricked their way to 38 points. You know, that's really pretty impressive against the Notre Dame defense that I think will be a good defense. Um I thought they set up really nice blocking angles to spring some other explosive plays. They were extremely explosive play dependent for the majority of the game. Uh, I know I texted Chad and Shannon. Uh, they were saying, how do you feel? And I said, well, 142 of the 152 yards are on four plays. So kind of need to um, kind of find a way to hit more explosive plays or, you know, find a way to, to, to drive the ball. And ultimately they did so. I, I was, I thought, honestly, like, the offense looked okay. Receivers don't scare anybody still, but they got Ja'Kai Douglas out there, right? And that was great. You know, find a way to get him deep. He actually showed a little more speed. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, showed a little more speed than I realized he had. I thought that was that was pretty impressive. Sean Corbin, Ingram is going to absolutely crush me in the snap count draft with him because of his speed and explosiveness. I may get him back with Trayshawn Ward. You know, um, Pretty good job there, running running hard, running explosively, running with, with real purpose. And I just think they're doing a pretty good job of scheming around some of the problems that they have, you know? Really good coaching job, in, in my opinion. Um, also, let's talk about Kenzie Milton. Kenzie Milton, no doubt, did not have a good camp on the days that he was actually out there, which were, you know, not that often. Um Really struggled. I know some people thought that he was the third, the third best QB at camp. Straight up. Some people also think he's a gamer. So he comes in and the offense moved very well. I was pretty impressed. I also thought, just from a human, like not football, hey, let's break this down standpoint. You know, that was that was a cool moment. It was cool in the stadium. I I hope it was cool on TV. Right. He's pretty limited physically. 
obviously the arm isn't great. He's got a hell of like a very quick relief, which I think makes up for that. And you saw that on the one pass over the middle. Uh, but I was just happy to see him actually get out there and, and be able to play. That was cool. I really didn't think they were going to throw him in until Jordan Travis's helmet comes off. And, uh, you know, I, I, I assume he's okay. But McKenzie Milton looked, looked decent, man. I mean, not perfect, but you know, pretty decent. I, there's some stuff I really worry about they're going for, but I'm trying to be positive right now, so I'm not really going to get into it. And I'm sure he was probably pretty nervous. I mean, having not played in two years, a dude who almost lost his leg, didn't really have a good ball camp when he was out there. And, uh, hell, with this offensive line, you're probably going to need both these guys. Just just being real, that was, that was key. Also, did y'all understand why Notre Dame was playing so soft with like four minutes and 30 seconds left? I was, I was a little, uh, I was a little surprised by that um, because Norvell just took it. He's like, well, I got three timeouts and it's four minutes, 30 seconds left. It's not like we're in two minute here. We're going to go up tempo, but can still run the football well. And that to me was, was notable. Like they, that last drive, they ran it. Milton was in. Notre Dame was, for some reason, respecting McKenzie's legs just as much as they respected Travis's. And, and Corbin and and Trayshawn Ward were able to, you know, to bust some runs. I I think Notre Dame believed that they could just play kind of prevent soft defense, not allow the explosive play over the top there in the final 20 minutes and run out the clock because they had an 18-point lead. And they were kind of right, but very wrong also at the end because – they couldn't run it, and they were unable to salt away the lead because FSU kept stopping their run game. So Kyron Williams, who's an NFL guy, no doubt, and Chris Tyree, who's probably going to be in the NFL just because of that speed, 25 carries, 73 yards. And as far as I remember, there wasn't some insane, you know, minus 20-yard run with, with, with loop-de-loos and, and the, the mess up that average. Like, they really, they're, I guarantee you their run game success rate was rather poor. FSU put them in long down and distances consistently tonight. And if you're not putting the way the game with the run game, it means FSU's getting the ball back a lot more often, and they're able to actually play play catch-up with the run game, which is is not something you see all that often. But I think they understand they can really pop some runs, especially if teams are playing pass, which it seemed like they uh, they were. Anyway, I was really happy for Mackenzie Milton. Um, I, he had some nice throws. Very nice. Five of seven for 48. You know, that's – look, seven for 48 is not great, but neither was Jordan Travis through the year. 19 for 130, obviously, and three picks. Obviously, the one Jordan Travis pick totally absolved him. Um, he sees the wheel. He sees the corner get beat. I'm sure he sees the safety coming, but the thing is, it's Kyle Hamilton who's going to be playing in the NFL pretty soon. You know, uh, guy just makes an unbelievable play, a play that I really haven't seen since, what, Terrence Brooks probably gets NC State in 20, I think it was 2013, where, where he goes all the way across the field from, like, the 50 to, um, to the far 30. Just just an insane play. Um I, I would if I'm Mike Norvell, I'm telling Jordan Travis though that pass they got picked off. So you see that, you see that guy flash, you throw it. They have Sean Taylor 2.0, he picks it off. Okay. Got it. Some of the other ones, obviously not uh, not great decisions or or great great throws. 
I just feel like Travis has to be so damn exhausted, man. Like he's constantly running around for his life. Now, maybe that's because he doesn't get the, get rid of the ball all that well, or as far as quickly. He did make some nice throws tonight. You know, just it'll be interesting to see what they do there going forward. I, I suspect you will need both because the, the offensive line, I, I think, first of all, I actually believe that there's some real hope for this offensive line this year if they can get practices together, which I don't believe they had enough of in fall camp. Uh, you know, if you get Maurice Smith healthy and he starts snapping the ball, I believe Maurice can snap. Babion clearly has some, some snapping issues. DLT has got to get healthy. I was worried about that in our offensive line preview, if you guys recall. I think there's a reason he's playing guard, and I bet you the reason is because he's coming off that injury. And I think you have to question maybe the, um, you know, how how fit he is to play. Not like endurance fit, but just the, you know, what what does he have as far as the ability, you know, to play in space. And and one you know one pick was obviously on on fourth down where, honestly, the guy's open. If he throws it on time, it's probably a first down. Um, you know, nothing's guaranteed with this passing game, but you know, this is kind of what this team is going to be. Interestingly, um, FSU had a, had a uh, just—it's weird for me. I've never covered a, a loss that really truly feels like a win. I've covered losses where you're clearly the better team, and you actually outplayed the opponent and just got unlucky. But that really isn't—that's uh, not this, right? This is. I don't think you're the better team. I think Notre Dame's a better team. If they line up tomorrow, I suspect Notre Dame beats them by more. But for this night, yeah, counts. Um, count, counts for something. Certainly counts uh, in, in the hearts and minds of the fans who might become boosters and the recruits. And you know, I, I think this is something that you could probably sell to your own team internally as well. That's kind of my monologue portion of this. Let me go through the uh, my, so my notes. Covering Michael Mayer uh, was a pretty big issue. Yeah. Maybe Gronk is really good. If he didn't drop those balls, who knows? We might, we might not go to overtime. But very impressive player there. We said in the preview that was going to be very tough. They tried to play a guy in the middle of the field. They tried to bracket him. They tried to chip him. At some points, they did effectively do so. But ultimately, that's a really good guy. Your cover guys at, you know, your, your kind of bigger safety and then your backers are, are just not good at doing that. And so we got nine for, for 120. Um, I thought the energy, just the consistent ability to get up, certainly the crowd up a lot with that. I think tonight helped a bunch. And after that first touchdown to Michael Mayer, where they, they just schemed him wide open, FSU did not allow a ton of chunk plays. I mean, they allowed some, but I, you guys know what I mean. They were better than they were last year, I think, especially on the ground. The longest rush they allowed tonight was 12 yards. One thing we said in the preview was this. I'm trying to go back and find my notes because I have my preview notes on my phone. You have to stop the run. If Cone beats you, tip your cap. He did. Jack Cohen played really well. Really well. He had a couple floaters. The one touchdown pass, obviously Travis Jay didn't turn the right way initially. The second touchdown pass, it was against Jay, but it's just a great throw and catch. Just an, an absolutely great throw and catch. I, I was 
I was pretty impressed um, by by how Jack Cohn played for the most of the night. I mean, 26 and 35 for 366. He had he had Mike Mayer with the big pass. Kyron Williams obviously had 55 yard on the screen, which that's a good play call. The thing is, people are going to get mad about the blitz. It's just a team for FSU that's not quite there yet. If you are a defensive lineman and you win that quickly, you got to backpedal the hell out of there. You got something. Something's got to go off in your head that says, "Ooh, that that was too easy." Right? What what happened there? Why why am I so so free at the quarterback? And just they didn't did in time. And uh, that kid's really fast. Probably not going to catch him in the open field when he has like four blockers around him. Uh, and so we got we got a fifty-five yarder. That was that was pretty impressive. Um, some people took some issue with late hit, late hit on uh, on Brendan Gant or by Brendan Gant. Okay, I can kind of see that. I thought Notre Dame went Gant quite a bit in the first half. Maybe played a little bit better in the second half, but also Sidney Williams got to play some, so they were continuing to rotate guys. Uh, also, and I don't want to take any credit away from Florida State, but Brian Kelly did not coach his best game. Let's be frank about this. He just, he didn't. He had a whole lot of, I think, drive mismanagement stuff where, I mean, he punted from the FSU 48, 42. Um, just, that's not, you, you really had a chance to kind of kind of stick it to him early and, and didn't, and you let FSU's offense get its footing. Um, that's, that's not great. Those are my notes here. Brian Kelly allowing FSU to hang around a little bit there. I thought Jarvis Brown, they played super well. Poor screen recognition. Uh, by the way, how about that defensive stop after the first and five? So you get the offsides call, and it's first and five. Notre Dame can kind of use three plays to get the first down. FSU's got to burn some timeouts. And, you know, they get the stop. Notre Dame doesn't is not able to get five yards. That was That was pretty – uh, pretty entertaining. Hell of a game to watch tonight. Offensively, I I kind of think Notre Dame, they really did a nice job of anticipating what FSU was going to do early in the game. I suspect that they said, hey, let's see if FSU can block us. Last year in the pass pro, when it wasn't off play action, for the most part, they couldn't. And I think they anticipated realizing that the FSU could not block them. And uh, they played screen quite a bit, you know. So nice job, Mike Morgell and those guys adjusting to that. I think that was that was pretty impressive. A lot of people still asking about Milton. Look, we'll see, right? Maybe he's just an incredible gamer. He also has some throws that were not real great. Floating those screens out there like that. And, and he made seven throws. I think on two of the throws, his guy got crushed or hit pretty hard. The variance monster, if you keep doing that, it's going to get you. And those are going to turn into fumbles or picks or injuries. Now, he's it's the first game back. Maybe he'll get a whole lot better from here. That's why I was hoping to pick him in the snap contract. Because like, even though fall camp didn't go the way he wanted, I certainly think that he does have the – probably have the ability you know, to, to maybe play better even and to get more – Feel for the game as he goes on. So that was certainly something to look at there. 
okay, more notes from me. Special teams overall, I thought were pretty good. Coverage was was good. They had uh, a nice return. Punting, that was a, a nice weapon. Pulling it up here. FSU average punt, 43 yards, long of 53, one inside the 20, one of 50 plus. There were some punts, though, that I think early in this game were very important. Notre Dame uh, could have probably put FSU away had they had a little more yardage in the FSU territory. But those first couple drives when FSU was backed up, Mastermato hit some nice punts, and, and I was pretty impressive. Yeah, people asking, um, asking about Corbin. I thought he looked really good. Ingram is right. Deshaun Corbin has regained a lot of the explosiveness that the Texas A&M people thought he would never get back. He looks more explosive. He looks like he's running harder and more confidently. So I'm gonna, probably going to take a bath there in the snap count draft um, against Ingram. I'll take a couple more here. Ultimately, this is a, a really, really nice game, you know, for, for FSU. And a couple people, you know, does this make you feel like six and six is definitely more likely than five and seven? Um, it's an interesting question, right? Because even if you put like a, a point two on your season win projection for Notre Dame, you still got to make that a zero now because the game is now 1.0. To 0.0. So from that standpoint, no. But I do think there's a chance that since you just did that to Notre Dame's offensive line, and who knows if they'll play this consistently? Who knows if they'll play with as much passion each week? Who knows how the injuries and all the health and stuff will go? Um, but, you know, uh, I think they have a pretty decent chance to to give some teams some trouble with that defensive line and with those defensive backs. There will be teams that throw the quick game better than Notre Dame did, and we'll have to see how they handle that. Maybe there will be some holes in the secondary get exposed that we don't know about yet. Certainly, FSU is not exposing any holes in the secondary in its own practices because it doesn't really have a drop-back passing game given who your quarterbacks are on the roster, right? It's, it's all quick games, screens, shot plays, that type of stuff. So we still have to see on that. But I, I do think that the defensive improvement that I saw tonight, even though they gave up 41 points, was was pretty pretty impressive. How many drives did they have? Uh, so 14 drives, because obviously the overtime drive is not a not a traditional, not a traditional drive. 41 points on 14 drives. It's a little bit higher than I, I'd like to see, but Got to give Notre Dame some credit. They, they made some really good players. Plays they have some very nice players on their team. Take a couple questions here, and uh, then we will get out and get this thing uploaded and go uh, go chop it up with Ingram. Uh, so VXM2001 uh, says, "Hey, this game had the feeling of the 2012 Oklahoma game where we lost, uh, but felt like we are turning the corner." No, that was the other one that people on Twitter said, hey, this feels kind of like 2011 or 2012 Oklahoma. You know, the 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 play where Kenny Shaw just gets absolutely crushed and and FSU just can't seem to punch in touchdowns. Oklahoma's a better team. FSU fought hard to be close in that game. 
also comparably the prior year FSU had gone out to Oklahoma and just got absolutely pantsed. So yeah, I, I totally see how that makes sense. Um, yeah. Do you, did they give him a, uh, or 2011 Oklahoma, not 2012, excuse me. Did they give him a, uh, a standing ovation in that game? I'm trying to remember. I, I don't know if they did. Tonight they did. Uh, do I like the call on fourth down in your own end? Let's separate two things here. Do I like the call? Do I like the decision? I definitely like the decision if you're trying to win the game. Mike Norvell is absolutely a subscriber to the Sports Source Analytics guys. It's the same thing that the really smart NFL teams use. Or I shouldn't say Sports Source Analytics. That's, that's one company. But uh, there's you know, championship analytics. There, there's a couple companies out there. He plays to win games. Mike Norvell plays to win games. He clearly does not pack it in. He wants just to keep fighting and fighting and fighting. And this leads to some things. It can lead to blowouts and it can lead to wins because it increases your chance of both. Punting in that situation, I know it sounds crazy, but this is where football is going because people are starting to understand the math on this at a more consistent level. Punting in that situation decreases your chance of winning, but also decreases your chance of getting blown out. If you're going to win the game, it's very likely that you need to be scoring touchdowns on not all, but almost all of your remaining possessions. So giving away a possession where you only need two yards to get the first down, even though it's in your own end, in that situation, in that time of the game, with the current score and with how the game was going, I believe that it was the correct call. I know the math says it was the correct call. Now, the play call? I mean, maybe you can, maybe you can quibble with it, but ultimately, I, I'm just not really gonna disagree with with Norvell on that because he was having to try to coach around the offensive line all night and find ways to trick people, and he actually did get somebody open. Just gotta throw it on time. So I don't really hate the play call there. I will note the Wildcat stuff was very clearly, I think, trying to get get a breather and trying to play four down territory. I believe that he went wildcat because he said, okay, we have got to go score. We are in four down territory here. If we can get anything close to a manageable fourth down, assuming we don't convert on you know, second or third down. It looked like there was a plan. Now, if there was no plan for it, if they just went wildcat and they decided, oh, let's go for it, then I, I don't really like that. But I think there was a plan because otherwise I don't think you would run the ball on that third down given that down and distance out of the Wildcat. I believe they purposely did so, you know? Um, yeah, anyway, like that's definitely the right decision math-wise. It's just, it is. Um, you, you give away possessions, you, you'll, you'll lose closer, but you'll, you'll lose more often. Uh, but you'll also get blown out more often if you go for it. So it's it potentially a trade-off. We saw this last year with what, North Carolina, but also that NC State game probably could have been closer. Um, if they had punted the ball, but they were trying to play to win, and they ended up getting blown out pretty hard. I have my perspective on the receiver exchange after tonight. Uh, no, not really. Again, David Hale had them 14th out of 14th in the ACC. I don't know if that's going to be true, but they're they're not a strength at this point. Did you see receivers getting open on like winning one on ones a whole lot? Chicago Douglas had the nice one. Ultimately, I don't think. Uh, I don't think 
those guys are a strength. I think most teams will look at them and say, yeah, nothing scary to us. And we'll continue to throw a whole lot of bodies at Jordan Travis or Mackenzie Milton is in there. You know, throw a whole lot of bodies at Mackenzie Milton uh, in those sort of short and intermediate zones, especially in the middle of the field, and see if he can throw the ball outside the hashes. Uh, did they ever attempt to pass to the tight ends? Let's take a look at that. Um, no, they did not. Look, you guys know my feelings on the tight end room. I thought uh, Jordan Wilson had a couple nice blocks tonight. I'm not, uh, I'm not real high on these tight ends. I don't think these guys are going to go play pro ball. Uh, do we run any zone reads? Yes, they did. Absolutely. Notre Dame was playing sort of that overhang with, with that off ball defender. So I thought that would create some interesting looks. That you had to figure out how to run that against, but Norvell in the second and third quarters definitely ran some zone reads. Where was Parchman at tonight? If you guys are normal listeners, you know I'm not a huge believer. We'll see. I could be proven wrong on that, but the word I got from Kansas just wasn't super positive. It wasn't like, yeah, he's a great replacement for Tamar and Terry. It's maybe he can be a deep threat for you. He did show off some speed one time on one of those screens, so that was that was impressive. Um but again, they only got eight yards on it. So, you know, uh, I think that's pretty much it, ultimately. Uh, how do I feel about the communications in the secondary? Yeah, um, I think initially they, they were struggling a little bit, to be honest. I thought they were a little questionable on that opening drive. But also, I do not believe that FSU anticipated Notre Dame coming out and running empty backfield and chucking it all over the place. Clearly, the Irish felt good about their passing game. Otherwise, they would have just probably ran it down their throat. But it, it did catch FSU off guard, I suspect. Uh, and then some of the rotations were just a half-step late. A couple times, I thought they might have been out and gapped a little bit, right? But on the whole, I mean, how many plays did they face tonight? 70 plays. I thought defense was mostly solid for most of them. Notre Dame executed very well on some plays. Will Casey or Travis start next week? I think you got to continue to play them both, right? I mean, I, again, like I said, I don't think fall camp went that well offensively. I think you want to get as many reps as you can with whoever the starting offensive line is going to be. I don't know uh, what the deal is with Dylan Gibbons. We'll find out, I'm sure. Um, I will tell you that he did not go into the injury tent from the press box, I can look down and see that he was sitting on the bench and they were working on, to me, it looked like his leg uh, when he was sitting on the bench. It does not mean it's not serious. However, I will tell you that FSU puts up that injury tent all the time. And they put it up several times tonight for, for various things that ended up not being very serious, as far as I can tell. So either they didn't want to move him to the injury tent or Perhaps it wasn't that serious. I guess we'll find out. Certainly the guard guards are a major concern for me with this offensive line. Tackles, I think we're okay, but uh, the guard spot, like the interior offensive line right now is, is definitely a problem. So we will see if you can effectively run the ball with, uh, with, with Milton in there, if they're going to use him and uh, we'll see how well, Travis operates this offense. I just think this is this offense is a work in progress. I do really trust Mike Norvell. If they can get a modicum of help along the offensive line and just some level of consistency as far as who's actually playing along that offensive line, 
I, I really suspect that they will get better offensively as the season goes on. All right, uh, guys, that is, uh, yeah, pass throw is really bad. Yep, guys, this pass throw is not going to be good this year. Trust me on this. They, if they get in third and longs, done. So, speaking of done, I'm done for tonight. Really appreciate y'all. Hit that thumbs up. Hit that bell. That's the subscribe button on YouTube. Make sure you tell your friends. Really appreciate y'all listening to the Nolcast. And uh, go check out On the Bench. They're going to be live pretty soon as well, I believe, on their channel. Finishing up here in the press boxes. Go ahead and give those guys, give those guys some run as well. And uh, we'll see you all later this week.